Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's webinar, 18 Essentials to Being an Exceptional Assistant. Woohoo! We got people coming in Pennsylvania, New York City, Michigan, Florida, Delaware. Oh my gosh, you're all over the place. Um, yes, please jump in in the chat, say hello, tell me where you're where you're located. I'd love to see where everyone's coming from. I know there's a lot going on out there toward the, I think it's the Midwest and toward the East with some crazy weather. So I hope you're all safe and warm. And um, whether you're watching from home or work, we're just happy that you're here today. So I'm Joan Burge, founder and CEO of Office Dynamics International. We are the global leader in the development and presentation of sophisticated training programs and information for administrative office professionals. And we've been doing this since 1990. Oh, a really, really long time. Um, I'm also the author of five books for administrative professionals. And my most recent was Joan's Greatest Administrative Secrets Revealed. So uh, let's see, I am excited about today because my guest today is Julie Reed. Have any of you seen Julie on my webinar before? webinars before? If you have, please let us know. Julie is phenomenal. We love her to death. She is uh, one of our VIP trainers. So, um, and we keep her quite busy. She's that good that we keep her on the road a lot. <laughs> Whether she's doing coaching work or teaching our world-class assistant program, Julie is a delight. She's a wealth of information. Um, extensive experience in the administrative profession. She actually just retired from that profession about a year ago, I think. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. And, yeah. Oh, time goes fast. So she has a wealth of knowledge. She is delightful. You're just going to love her. I can't say enough about Julie. So, hello from North Carolina. Woo! I lived in Asheville. Oh, you are in Asheville. Hi, Margaret. Have you been getting snow down there? <laughs> So I have a couple announcements first as far as logistics before we get into the program. But I know Julie and I have a ton of information to share today. And don't mind us, we've got our notes because we have a lot we want to tell you today. So um, first of all, with logistics, the learning part of the session will be about 45 minutes. And then we will have Q&A, and I love Q&A because I, I want to hear from you and see what you're thinking about and your challenges and your questions. You can submit your questions during the webinar. Uh, you don't have to wait until we get to Q&A. And there's a little icon that looks like a question mark. So if you could use that icon, it helps Malia sort them out faster. And that means we can get to more of your questions. Webinar Jam Chat. Webinars the platform we use. So the chat holds about a thousand people. Um, so that's a lot of chattering going on amongst all of you assistants. And if you have any technical issues, the only way we can help you is through the chat. So please don't write Malia because she really can't help you with anything. Um, but let us know and our administrative team will take care of you. We, pardon me, we do not have a handout for today's program. So you're going to have to really um, be sure to take notes. And I know it is a lot of information, but I would suggest you capture the key points. And you'll have the replay link so you can always go back and replay this webinar and take your time, you know, and get the information that you want. Oh, we're excited. Today's webinar is sponsored by Bevy. So they are new to us and they actually sponsored a webinar last month. They've been really great. They are a provider of still and sparkling water on demand. Really pretty cool. So at the end of the program, I believe we'll, we'll have a link or you can just go check them out. We would love for you to do that. All right. For today's webinar, I thought it would be fun um, for Julie and I to pick, uh, for each of us to pick nine points that we really like that relate to the nine main topics we teach in World Class Assistant. So our World Class Assistant designation program, I'm sure many of you have heard of it, it has uh, been very, very successful. 
It is a certification and designation program. And last year was the first time we took it out to various cities. We used to only hold it in Las Vegas. And Julie helped uh, go to some of those cities last year. And this year, Julie is going to be tackling, let's see, Atlanta, Washington, D.C., and Chicago, correct? Yes. And they're going to start this spring in March. And I have Las Vegas. We are going to hold it in Vegas this year, but my class is sold out already. So we do have seats available. But anyways, there are nine main sections in World Class Assistant. And I'm going to cover those nine, but we're each going to share with you which is really our favorite tip or strategy of each section. So are you ready? We're going to begin. And the first main category or topic we cover in World Class Assistant is to build a strategic partnership. And there is a piece in there that I created that I came up with and I haven't seen it anywhere else. So I am proud to say that. <laughs> um, and I call it the anatomy of a strategic partnership. And the anatomy includes the brains, the heart and the soul. So if you think about you and your executive working together, this is very important, these three parts. So what do I mean? The brains, of course, both of you have to use your brains all day long and really engage your thinking to have that strategic partnership. And I'll give you some specifics. So it's, it's about thinking through your steps of a project. You have to do that and your executive has to do that. The other skills that you need to keep in high gear our communication skills, right? That's the brains. You know, you have to be thinking and being a proactive communicator and think about what you say and how you say it and how you communicate with each other is really important. Uh, organizational skills. So for both of you, and of course you as the assistant, you have to be highly organized to help manage your executive. Another skill is time and project management. So for both you and your executive to stop multitasking, to be focused, to know how to manage your time. And of course, that takes great communications. You have to be able to, to talk back and forth and give status updates and see where you are. Um, some other skills would be preparation. You know, do you arrive? Are you prepared? Are you ready to get to work? Does your executive arrive ready and prepared or do you arrive overwhelmed and frustrated and all of that? So those are some ideas for the brains part. The heart part to me is when you genuinely care about each other. You care about each other's successes and also when you're struggling. So I've been in this profession on both sides of the desk for over 40 years. And I know Julie could re relate to this. And I know there were executives that I worked with where the heart wasn't at all in the partnership. And those are probably the jobs that I left fairly quickly. And then I had three outstanding relationships and we definitely had the heart, the brains, and we also had the soul. So the third part of the anatomy I said is the soul. And so that's about using emotional intelligence, which we do get into in World Class Assistant. So Julie, I'm gonna let you share now one of your favorite, uh, some of your favorite pieces from Strategic Partnership. Thanks, Joan, and hello, everybody. Um, hello from sunny Colorado. This is our first winter in Colorado, and I'm just floored by how beautiful the winters are. So anyhow, that's all about me. Um, my my tip is that, that it's a shared journey and it takes time. And so take your time and share this journey with your executive. And, and when you have more than one executive, focus the first time on your top dog. Make sure that he or she is happy and bring them along with you on the journey. It doesn't start day one. And so be kind to yourself too, as you analyze. When we're in our classes, both in STAR and World Class, and even when I go on site and do one-on-one -on -one coaching, we ask, where are you on this pyramid? The three levels of the pyramid of a partnership, team, partnership, strategic partnership. And once we go through what every level means, we ask people to assess, Honestly, where do you think you are? And usually they're right there, the, the team part or the partnership part. 
that's great. That's a wonderful place to start. Another way we think of that is the norming, storming, performing. You know, right there, you're coming together and you're trying to figure out how to work together. So again, be kind to yourselves, give yourselves time, and remember it's a shared journey. And as Joan referenced, you have to communicate through that journey. You're trying to create an interdependency so that you have collective, connected success. I think this is really important because oftentimes when we tell people the heart's important and you have to care about each other, you tend to go down the path of when's their birthday, their anniversary, what's their favorite color. No, no, no. We're not talking that kind of stuff. We're talking that you care what it takes for them to function at their highest level. I have coached admins who can't even make eye contact with their executive during a day. Figure out how to make that happen. That's how you begin to become connected. And then it's that collective interdependency that you'll be able to share with them. And the highs and the lows just become so much more significant because now you are an engaged partner. Wow. wow. I love that. I'm looking at that. So well. Thank about you. Our yeah. Thank you for adding me. So I don't know. Are you here? Are you okay? I'm okay. Let me know if I need to do anything. Okay. All right. I guess it's back to me. Uh, who's got our control power there? Maybe I think. <laughs> Today. We're challenging. I don't know that when we have a guest. <laughs> like the All right. Well, thank you. That was really, really good advice. So the second piece that we talk about, and it's very brief, but it's very powerful. And I call it um, the assistant as the center of influence. And so this actually is a funnel. Uh, this is in my our operating guide, executives and assistants working in partnership. But we also have this in world-class assistant, the funnel. This is the ideal piece. So I'm going to tell you how I came up with this funnel. And then Julie's going to uh, kind of expand on a few things. So ideally, you should be this funnel piece here. And so you think about your executive. Um, gets all kinds of information throughout the day. They are getting information through phone calls, texts, and instant message, meetings they go to, their emails, media, hallway conversations. They're just bombarded all day. And what they should do if you're having good communications and you have a partnership, everything should funnel through you and then you determine your action. Are you going to personally handle it? Do you file it? Do you delegate it? Do you need to add things to the calendar? Do you um, assign it to follow-up items? So that would be the ideal to me, the teams that function really well and have that partnership. That executive is really trusting the assistant to make good decisions and filter information out appropriately. So Julie, how about uh, your part of this? Your piece. So first of all, don't downplay just those words, the center of influence. I, I think that's an incredible visual and it just makes you put your shoulders back and your chin up and say, yeah, that's right. I am the center of influence. That is so empowering. So I love this graphic. I love this, this visual for us. Um, I would say that you have to make sure that in order to function as the center of influence, do you have the right tools and are you using them? Do you have email? Are you looking at that email for your executive multiple times throughout the day? And are you looking at the inbox, the sent folder and the trash? If they're forwarding it, you need to pay attention to it. You need to figure out who the distribution list is and why did, why did it matter that they forwarded it? Oftentimes they'll forward an email and then they trash it. If you aren't watching, if you aren't paying attention, instantly you're out of the loop. You are no longer the center of influence. Develop a healthy curiosity. Make time to investigate, care and question. This will give you an 
active mind. This will keep you alert and engaged and observant. Excuse me. Then you can create opportunities to influence, to make decisions, and you become an invested partner. So make sure you have those right tools. Do you have the email? Do you have their phone line on your desk? Huge advantage. Even if you aren't required to pick it up, pay attention to who's calling them. Those are the tools I'm talking about. Make sure you set yourself up for success and then make sure you're using those tools. Don't get lazy. Okay, very good. Sorry, we were trying to figure out some technical things over here. So a suggestion was maybe, and we could try this, Julie, turn, when I talk, turn off your speaker, your microphone, maybe that'll help with the echoing. So why don't we try that? All right, thank you, everyone. Cute guy, thank you, that's my son. <laughs> but he is engaged, sorry, girls. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back to work here. The next piece we cover in World Class Assistant is leveraging communication. And it is huge, huge. It probably takes, uh, oh my gosh, what does it take? Several hours um, that we cover communications because we cover so many aspects. We talk about choosing the right medium. We talk about uh, styles, your communication style. We get into persuasion skills. We get into how to tactfully voice your opinion and so forth. Um, so anyhow, for me, I picked choosing the right medium. I love this, this piece that I've talked about, not only in world class, but even in star achievement and everywhere, basically. So the idea being, before you um, just respond or communicate, you should think about your goal, your objective, your motive for communicating. And then based on that, determine the tool you're going to use. Just because email is available to all of us all the time, it does not mean you should always email people. Your goal in communicating should be to be effective, to have impact, to get people to listen to you, to win people over, to persuade people. I mean, that's what it's about. So you have to be selective as to the tool you use. So if you're really this exceptional assistant, you're going to think about, okay, just quickly, it doesn't take long. What's my intent in communicating with this person? Do I just need to confirm a meeting date? Okay, maybe that's an email. But you know what? This is someone new I'm meeting. I haven't really talked to this person. I want to make a connection. I want them to get a sense of who I am. I'm going to pick up the telephone if, if that's the tool you can use. Obviously, face-to-face -face is always the best to me, number one. Then if that's not an option, going to the telephone or, of course, if the person doesn't uh, live near you or isn't within your logistical area, there's Skype, there's FaceTime. You have all these other tools that you can use. But uh, so, again, the goal here is to think about why am I communicating? What's my goal? What's my objective with this person? Then you think about who is this person? Are they an internal? Are they an external uh, person? What's their, if they're internal, what's their level within the organization? Um, if they're external, who are they? Are they, you know, is your executive on some board? Those types of things. Are, are they a vendor? You know, and you think about your relationship and then you determine the tool. So that's being exceptional because probably 99% of the people don't even take that into consideration and then they wonder why they don't have impact when they communicate or why people don't listen to them. All right, Julie, I, you know I'm on a, a path about that, so I better turn it over to you. <laughs> okay, I clicked my microphone. I think I'm good. Thank goodness we aren't walking and chewing gum too. So <laughs> <laughs> Then I'd really be challenged. So, um, Joan, while you were talking, I have to respond to Sharon because she said, I don't have my executive's um, email. He sends me what I need to react on. So Sharon, that made me think of something that I always, I, I just always replay in my mind. Um, I rode horses for a very long time. 
And we had a saying, you saddle your own horse. You don't let anybody else put your saddle on because you're the only one that's going to fall off. And if you're relying on your executive to tell you what's important, you're already at a disadvantage. So try and get that email and, and you decide. He can still forward you stuff. That doesn't mean he can't do that anymore. Um, around leveraging communication, um, I just want to reiterate what Joan said. It's all about beginning with the end in mind. And you want to make sure that you are communicating with clarity, accuracy, and then you have impact. Again, clarity, accuracy, impact. Pay attention to how you're communicating and pay attention to how you're being received. Seek that feedback out. Ask people. If you find a message isn't being received, ask why. What could I have done differently? You know, how, how would this have had more impact? You need to be mindful and you need to practice. Communication, again, is a skill. So you're honing your skill. You're developing your skill. You need to invest in this. Um, and most importantly, listen. That's the biggest piece of communicating is that you need to listen and you really need to listen, not to respond, but to understand, hear what people are saying. So again, listen, be mindful and practice and begin with the end in mind. Communicate with clarity, accuracy and impact. Mm, I love that. I love how you speak about uh, that, Julie. That's I love everything you share. You have such great perspective, so I appreciate it. Um, our number four, another main topic that we talk about is creating your signature brand. So for decades, we used to refer to professional image, right? It was all about professional image. And then things shifted in that the verbiage then became perception management. If you Google image consultants, there was a lot going on about what we call perception management. And that's still kind of what you're doing. What you're trying to do by your brand and your image is to manage people's perceptions of you. Yes. Uh, let's say today I came in here with a t-shirt with a stain on it and I have no makeup on. My hair was kind of messy. Um, you'd have a whole different perception of me, right? For sure you would. I hope I would think so anyways, <laughs> compared to how Julie and I are dressed today. But what happened then from there, we moved into the brand and having a brand. So your brand is very, very important. And I always say, if you don't establish your brand, others will. So even if you don't come up with your brand and it's not just about dress, which I'll explain in a minute, others will brand you anyways. So either way, you're gonna be branded. Why not be proactive in what you want your brand to project? And your brand comes through in your outer image. It also comes through in your language, your verbiage, how you are, are you are, do you articulate? Sorry, as I trip all over that one. <laughs> are you articulate? That's what I'm trying to say. Um, <laughs> it has to do with part of your brand could be your attitude. You know, always positive, always upbeat. Brand could be that you're a very calm person. But especially, you know, thinking about that, that outer brand, what do we want it to be? So what I like to think about is corporations and organizations are very much concerned about what their brand communicates. And they will spend thousands and thousands of dollars um, on branding. So if you think about your organization, your company, I want you to think about their logo, okay? And they probably spent a lot of time determining what that logo was going to look like. What did they want it to communicate actually, to project? Then based on that, maybe picking the, the font style, the images that they would use, colors, of course. You know, we've got red in ours. That's because I like bold and looking or portraying empowerment and um, energy is what I like. Uh, when I first started my company, at that time, the corporate colors, the very popular corporate colors were deep purples and olives, which projected very much, you know, conservative, professional, that type of thing. Um, so thinking about your brand, what 
is it you want to project and then determining how you're going to project it through your outer image, even your office space. Okay, that's really that's a part of you. That's a part of your brand. If your workspace is all messy and papers are all over, your brand is like, you don't know what you're doing. You don't have it together. Or if you've got all kinds of cutesy stuff all over your desk, which I have seen. I have been on site for many, many years. I go, have gone on site. I've seen all kinds of workspaces. Or does your workspace communicate polished, professional on top of things, organized, thoughtful? So. I don't know why I got off onto that section, but that is a part of it. And I think most people don't realize their workspace is a part of your brand. And it definitely communicates something about you to others. So I know Julie has a lot of great information on this. I'm going to turn it over to Julie. Okay. Um, so let's see. My big thing around brand is this is the one thing that you can start working on today. You do not need anybody's permission. You do not have to wait for the training budget to open up. You don't need your executive's approval or the admin next to you's approval. This is something you own and you can start working on today. It will impact you both personally and professionally. So your brand is important. Pay attention, give it time, be authentic, be consistent and be intentional. Um, Get feedback and listen. If you don't know where to begin, ask people. I, I was once advised and believe it firmly, every person needs a truth sayer in your life. A person who's gonna give it to you straight, not tell you what you wanna hear, but tell you what you need to hear. Go to your truth sayer and ask them, what do you think of my brand? Is there something I should work on? Again, be intentional about it and then be authentic. Don't morph into what you think people want you to believe because you won't be able to maintain it. You wanna be authentic, you wanna be consistent. You have to keep your audience in mind. Um, oftentimes when we teach this class, we go down the conversation path, the rabbit hole about tattoos, piercing, hair color, nail color. It's more than that. Remember who your audience is and what kind of impact do you wanna communicate? and be careful, cognitively choose, are you putting self-expression over self-perception? And the choice is yours to make. And if self-expression is more important to you, if that's what you value, that's fine. Be one with that, be comfortable with that, and understand that it may align perfectly with your audience or it may not. You have to, again, be cognitive in how you choose to manage your brand perception. Get feedback, listen, think about self-expression over self-perception, and then go beyond image. It's so much deeper than image. It starts with image. You can have a door shut right away. May not be fair, but we all do it. And that's how business works because we're moving at the speed of light. Um, I was guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. Joan referenced a stain on a shirt. I interviewed and did not hire someone once upon a time because she came into her interview with a Mickey Mouse pin on. No problem, everybody loves the mouse, okay, until I realized the Mickey Mouse pin was hiding a stain and a tear. That I had issue with. So, you know, yeah, you have to get through that image first, but then it goes deeper. It's how you stand, it's how you present, it's how you project, it's the words you choose, the confidence that you show. What about your reputation, your credibility? What do other people say about you? All of that is layered into your brand. And as Joan started talking about this, you know, we're just modeling this after what happens in the consumer world. The consumer world is constantly asking for customer feedback. That's a very powerful tool that you too can use. Get your customer feedback, see what they think, what experience did they have with you? And then you can build on that or you can remove something. But again, it's all around getting that feedback and listening. Yeah, yeah. this is this so is good. I know we can do a whole session on this one. Um, a couple of things I thought of that I wanna be sure to mention. So one, an interesting activity that we do in the Star Achievement series that's a much lengthier program but for my classes 
they have a branding activity. They actually have to put together their brand, what they want their brand to communicate, what they think their brand is. And then they, uh, down the road, then they have to present that in class to everyone. And they're all like, they're just so different and tremendous. But the one thing I like, what a lot of those participants will do is they go ask maybe 10 to 15 people who they work with who know them really well and will ask, how would you describe my brand? And they get incredible feedback and input. And, and a lot of times too, they're hearing things that they that are really great that they didn't realize they were projecting. So that's kind of cool. And then they'll also see a common theme, maybe a word like polished or professional they'll hear from eight out of 10 people. So they know, wow, I'm really communicating that and that's what I want to communicate. Um, another thing we do uh, talk about is the what we call the rule of 12. And we'll demonstrate this in class, or I, I demonstrate it, I don't know if, do you, yeah, you do too. So the rule of 12 says that people start to judge you or, or perceive you right away at 12 feet away. So picture about 12 feet, okay? So right away at 12 feet, we're already forming opinions of people right away, just based on what we see on the outside. Then as you move in closer to each other, you focus on the top 12 inches so imagine that you know we were really close right to each other you're looking here do you smile what do your eyes say uh again is your hair neat is it what do you have on or are you distracting whatever it might be then based on the first 12 words out of our mouth people determine um if they want to continue conversation with us or they don't so the idea with the 12, the rule of 12, it's about consistency and congruency. You have to be congruent. Your outer image should match what you're going to speak and say and vice versa, okay? I love the rule of 12. And then the other thing I was gonna say, um, I forgot what you were talking about, Julie, but it made me think about the details. So when you pay attention to every detail on your outer image or even a detail of what kind of pen you carry into a meeting what kind of portfolio or pad you carry into a meeting that gives a message to someone wow if you pay that much attention to every little detail like this you must be very thorough in your work and what you do. You must be very detailed. You must pay attention and be very particular about everything that you touch. So imagine what that says. So these are the connections the brain makes that just it just happens. It's not in, you're not intentionally doing this, but our brains will just do this subconsciously. So that's why we have to really think about our brand. And it's called the halo effect. It's a halo. What people assume about you, then they're gonna assume, okay, if you're neat and organized here at the office, boy, I bet your house is neat and organized. So that's the halo effect. All right, our next one we're gonna cover. Joan, can yeah. I say one quick thing? Yeah. Just building on the rule of 12, um, you know, we are very aware when we enter a room and we feel like we have control over the situation and putting our best foot forward. I think it's very important that people remember it's also when others enter your room, your space or the elevator. So mm -hmm. that's why it needs to be, as you said, consistent. And all the time, you have to be able to maintain it, whether they're looking at how you work, your office space, or again, if you're getting on the elevator, if you're going to clear a jam on the copier, it, it's all the time. It's not just when you enter a room, it's when people also approach you. Yeah, and I even think, you know, it's everywhere, Julie, right? Because you and I know it happens when people enter our training room. Right, right away, as soon as somebody walks in that door to class, you know, and they're also judging me right away as well. It works both ways. So wherever you go, <laughs> you know, you're walking down that hallway or, you know, participating in a community or offsite event, just keep that in mind. So good stuff. 
All right, we're on number five, so I guess I'll keep moving here. Exude executive presence. That is something probably pretty new to assistants. I mean, in terms of what true executive presence is. So from Forbes.com, I'll describe it and think about yourself with this. Executive presence is the ability to project gravitas which is confidence, poise under pressure, and decisiveness. Furthermore, communication, including speaking skills, assertiveness, and the ability to read an audience or situation, very important, and appearance contribute to a person's perceived executive presence. And as assistants, you should exude executive presence. You are the partner to executives, to the management team. Um, so another quick way to give you some specifics uh, with executive presence, you deliver information in headlines. Often people in class will say, what does that mean headlines? I don't understand. Think about a newspaper, or even if you read USA Today on your phone like I do. <clears throat> you look at the headlines, correct? That's what executives like. Kind of talk to them in headlines, <laughs> you know, get to the point. Don't and don't take a lot of their time up because they don't have a lot of time. And then you could always build on that information or if they want more information, they'll ask you. Rate yourself on this. Do you communicate with passion and energy? That's executive presence. Speak up. Use strong, clear language. Again, that's what they want. So if we go back to that whole idea of when I'm communicating, I want to have impact. I want people to listen. Well, then be clear on what you want. And I know the red communication styles like Julie and I are, which we cover communication styles in the class, which is basically short to the point. Tell me what you want. Reds don't like wishy-washy. So if your executive's a red style, for sure, don't be wishy-washy. Use a confident tone. Engage people in conversation. And this is especially important. Learn to read your audience. Just like a speaker, you need to learn to read your audience. If they look bored or they look like they've got to move on to their next thing, don't sit there and keep talking about you know, the whole story of what happened. I know people who they get so involved in their story that they're totally oblivious to their receiver. So if you're world class, if you want to really be that polished professional, if you want to be sharp, you want to, to, to be treated, you know, at that level, then you need to pay attention to others. It's not all about you. Really, communication should be about others and adjusting as necessary. We, I could do a, we should just do a webinar on that one, Julie. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I know, I look at the clock, it's like, wow, we got to I know, that. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, for me, it's around follow the examples that are in front of you. Think of someone that, um, you really admire their attributes as an executive. You think of them as a leader and not a manager. And then why is that? What is it that you admire about them? Is it the way they communicate? Is it how they command an audience as soon as they walk into a room? Is it the words that they choose? Are they calm, cool, collected? Do they listen? Do they ask questions? Are they credible? Are they accountable? Figure out who it is at that executive level that you admire and model after them. Uh, figure out what it is that they do and how you can model that behavior. Make this part of your development plan. We're, we're all in that time of year when you have to start thinking about your goals and your development plan, and you want something a little meatier maybe, then I'll return every email by the end of the day. We've already used that one, right? This is a great one. This will wow them when you say, I'm going to work on my executive presence. Probably they won't even know what to do with that the first time they read it. So this is a great one that you could put in your development plan, model after someone. And again, it doesn't have to be the top dog. It might be someone middle layer, but you know their reputation and you admire how they work. And you notice that other people do as well. 
and model after their behavior. This doesn't have to be scary or frightening or intimidating. It's really not that difficult. Excellent, thank you. All right, we're on number six, so uh, we'll keep moving because I know we want to make sure we have time for you to ask your questions. I, there's, I think there's a lot of questions <laughs> in that in the chat. So our number six that we spend a great deal of time on in our world-class assistant uh, course, we talk about demonstrating your value. Now, there are a lot of pieces, again, that we cover within that. So um, the idea being whether you work in a large enterprise or a small organization, you constantly have to demonstrate your value. Today, we, we just do. We always, I, my, one of my favorite phrases is, don't assume the job you have today is the job you're going to have tomorrow. I mean, you're always interviewing for your job. Things change all the time. Companies are moving so fast that just because you're great today doesn't mean you, you can let yourself rest on your laurels tomorrow and the next week and so forth. So you have to consistently demonstrate your value. And in World Class, we teach you how to do that. And we go through several pieces of that. Um, and the other piece I have in my notes here to tie with that is that idea, again, you are on stage every day, which ties back to a lot of the things we've been talking about, you know, the rule of 12, perception management, all of those things. And um, you're always being observed. And so that will work for you or it can and will work against you. I know Julie has a lot she wants to talk about here, so I'm going to turn it over to her. Thank you. Um, so one of the things that I love about being in the classroom, training, even one-on-one -on -one coaching, and I know Joan has shared this sentiment as well, every single time I'm out and about, um, I learn something as much as I hope you learn from us. And I was recently in front of a group and uh, one of the participants told me about Sean Acor. I had never heard of him until that class, A-C-H-O-R. If ever you're interested, uh, Google him. His podcasts are phenomenal. He talks very quickly and he's very, very funny. So again, Sean Acor, he tells this great story about um, he went to Camp David and took a tour. And it was right uh, when the elections were pending, the environment could have been you know, very charged at the time. And he noticed that every single one of the people that he came in contact with had a positive attitude. They were excited. They had a lot of pride in what they were doing. So we asked them about that. How do you maintain this day after day when you know you very well could be out of a job in the next six months, when the administration could possibly turn over? What is it that keeps you engaged? And one of the colleagues replied, it's when I give these tours and I see all that we have accomplished as a nation, all of the artifacts, the memorabilia. I am just so recharged every single time I give a tour. And what he did was the purpose of telling this story was to remind us that there is so much value in the process of taking a tour of your life. And that's what Joan encourages us to do in this segment is a career portfolio, to sit down, to take a tour of your life, all of your accomplishments, all that you have done. Um, and, and again, professional and personal. Look for those transferable skills. Look at when you, excuse me, felt you were on a high. Um, look for the trends, the opportunities. And most importantly, Make this journey yours. Don't tie it to your executive, to your manager, to your past job, and please not to your job title or your job description. Make this about you and have it ready because as Joan said, life happens. So you need to have it ready. And I highly recommend you start today if you don't have one because it's really hard to pull all that stuff back out of our memory. And then once you get going, you'll see, you'll get energized and you'll get such a boost of confidence because you'll realize just how amazing you are. So value your value. Take the first step on this journey. You'll be amazed at what it'll do for you. 
Excellent. Thank you. All right. Number seven. Oh, wow. We still have seven, eight, and nine. All right. I'm going to go, I'll go fast on these, I believe. Um, so the resilient skill set is something I just added about two years ago, I think, to world-class assistant, because as I've been out there in the world, being exposed to so many things and people, I realized that we really do need to be resilient with all the changes and things that take place, both in our personal and professional lives. So, and now I've actually moved this up to the number one skill. I believe all of us need this as our number one skill, resiliency, regardless of your position in the, the organization. And I'm not alone because now I'm reading all kinds of information from thought experts, from uh, chief learning officers, from human resource people, those in training and development about developing resiliency in your employees as a skill set. So um, what I'd like to focus on here really quickly that I don't think you would see much about is what I call proactive resilience. That is where you seek challenges and accept assignments that are out of your comfort zone. Um, to me, proactive resilience is about not waiting things to happen to you or change to happen to you. It's about you uh, kind of building yourself in that arena and you kind of creating that. Just like you go to the gym to build muscles and strength, you have to kind of force things that will cause you to have to practice being resilient. And they don't have to be bad things. I'm not saying that. So, Julie, I'll turn it over to you. I know we're getting short on time, so I'll let you go ahead and pick up some of your favorite pieces. Again, it's a skill set. It's self-cultivated skill set. It's very valued and it's very marketable today. When companies are losing employees due to stress and stress, the lack of stress management, it can cost them one to 1.5 times the person's salary to replace them. So there is a cost effectiveness for companies to be investing in colleagues who show that they can be adaptive and creative in today's stressful work environments. So this is definitely something you want to work on. It's a skill set that you want to build out. Um, it'll show that you can perform under stress at a very high superior level. You can keep your calm and you can figure out your way through it and on the other side of it. So this is definitely one you want to cultivate and build out more. Again, if you aren't feeling stress, you aren't in the game. So get in the game, feel that stress, and then figure out what to do with it. Very good. Thank you. Um, number eight, emotional intelligence. And uh, so basically Daniel Goleman, G-O-L-E-M-A-N, is someone you might want to check out since he kind of is like a grandfather of all of this. Um, and I, I'm also thinking we have covered so much and we haven't even covered everything we wanted to. Uh, I will check and see if we could just send our speaker notes out to you. We're not going to polish them and create a handout and make it all fancy and pretty. We're going to give it to you straightforward. Um, so if you just want good content, I'm going to see about us doing that, you know, for you to help you. So anyways, emotional intelligence, basically there are four dimensions. First is self-awareness. That's where I pay attention to myself. I know myself. I understand myself. There's self-management, social awareness, and social skill. So I picked my favorite dimension, and then Julie will share hers. Mine is the third dimension called social awareness. That's where I try to know you. And I love that because that's what I really try to do when I'm working with administrative professionals, when I'm working with my clients, when I'm new to working with an organization. I want to know about you. And the more I know about you, the better I can help help you, the better I can relate to you. Learning about you helps me know how to communicate with you. And it means I care about you. So that's my favorite dimension. Julie, how about yours? One you picked. I picked I manage me. I am in charge of my attitude. I choose to control my thoughts, which controls my response, which controls my actions. I manage me. I listen to feedback and I encourage the dialogue. I manage me. I'm confident in my skills and I'm aware of my weaknesses. 
I value my value and I stay true to my North Star. I value me and I manage me. By being tuned into this, in turn, I've gotten invited to the table. I've been an active participant. I've been confident and I've had daily leadership opportunities. That's why I like this one so much. I manage me and therefore I have managed my career. Mm, excellent, excellent. I love that. Uh, notes, everybody is so happy that we're gonna send notes. Um, adminology is the last uh, big segment we cover in world-class assistant designation certification course. And I that's something I created years ago. It's a formula. So art plus science equals success. So in other words, it's left brain, right brain. So to me, whatever you're doing out there as an assistant, and even me as a CEO, a business owner, we need, if we want to be truly exceptional and make sure we're covering all our bases, whatever it is that we're doing, we want to think about the science side is the left brain, the logical part of something, the right side, the art side, that's where we have the intuition and the sensitivity. So an example would be in meeting planning. If you fully utilize left brain thinking and right brain thinking, you're going to do a much better job and be more effective with meeting planning. You know, if you think about all the aspects of meeting planning, you need to be organized, you need to have good communication skills, but then you need the sensitivity to side, being sensitive to people and their needs and who's attending that, that meeting and comfort levels within the room and different things like that. So that, that's the quick and dirty on adminology. So Julie, I'll turn it over to you. Um, so this is where we hit the sweet spot. Uh, the founder of McDonald's, Ray Kroc, says, when you are green, you're growing. When you're not, you rot. So this is where you keep growing. You keep learning. You stay relevant. Don't stop. Do it just because, not just in time. Look at everything with a question mark and optimize. Optimize yourself. Optimize a process, a procedure. Don't make it bigger. Make it better. Get off autopilot. Switch to defensive driving because you never know when somebody's going to swerve into your lane. That's what this is all about. It's the sweet spot. This is where you learn from the past, you focus on the future, and you look for the next great thing. Visualize what could be. Optimize yourself. Keep growing. Refocus. Look at that time management. Figure out where you're losing time in a day. Get rid of the time vampires. Focus, refocus on yourself, optimize, get better and better. Boy, I'm just repeating myself, but you can see okay. how this really rocks me. Yeah. Well, in the optimization, I know we talk about that and, and that piece of it in terms of if you're already great at what you do, which many of you are, you have to optimize what you do. That's what Julie is explaining to you. How do you really push it to that next level and to never stop doing that. So I love that too. All right, I see it is 1053. Um, I know we, and we probably could have gone another hour really delving into all of this. There, It's good stuff, really, good meat, right? Um, how do all of you out there uh, feel about it? Those of you who are participating in, in the chat, I hope you feel like we've given you a lot of good, good, good information today, usable information, and yes, we'll send the notes. Um, also, I'll, I'm willing to stay on five extra minutes if Julie is too. I know we, I think we have the time to do that. So we could get to more questions. If you're able to stay on, please stay on with us. We'll do an extra five minutes. But really quick, I do just want to announce in case those of you who have to jump off, um, again, the World Class Assistant courses are coming up. I've got them here. Atlanta, we still have some seats left. That's March 5th to the 7th. Um, D.C. is April 9th to the 11th. That's a beautiful time to go to D.C. Chicago is May 7th to the 9th. And they're all filling up, and Julie will be teaching those classes. So you can check it out and learn more about, you know, world-class assistance. So it's fabulous. And if you just love this little bit, we have three full days where we dig in deep, and you actually get involved and engaged with us. So all right, let's go to questions. Malia, I'm sure there's, I think there were a lot of questions out there. There were quite a few, Joan. Um, okay, we'll start with Cecilia. 
she is stating how do you get your executive to give you give excuse me to give you access to their email most execs in our company don't give admins access Julie, you want to go first sure so again ask why first of all you know why not get in there ask you're you're allowed to do that and then try it on a trial basis you have to make sure that you prove to them the value so baby steps you know could i please have access to your email maybe just your inbox for 30 days and then we can talk about it and see if you value it so baby steps don't try to boil the ocean um, but first of all, ask why. Now, I know that in some of uh, the public sectors, it's a policy. Those those admins don't stand a chance of getting um, the, uh, the email. I get that. So again, make sure you understand the why behind it and then prove the value. Yeah, that's a good one. And I agree to baby steps. That's what I uh, tell people when we're you know on site doing coaching work and trying to get the executive to let go. We talk about baby steps and sometimes I'll even just suggest, okay, just let your assistant start, you know, maybe with the junk stuff and deleting it for you. I mean, executives are, are afraid, you know, is the assistant going to know what to do, how to respond, what gets trashed, what gets forwarded. So I also do talk to the executive. You also have to teach your assistant sometimes why you're doing what you're doing with your emails. Um, but I love exactly what Julie had answered. Really have a discussion around it and ask why. And also point out the benefits. Focus on the benefits of what you can do and help save them time and so forth. Plus you're in the loop um, and so you could be sure to be more proactive and take the initiative. All right, uh, next question. Okay, D. I work in the background mostly and I'm still working to convince him the more I know, the better I can assist him and know I'm not being nosy. How do I move from this impasse? Gosh, you know, I really, I feel for assistance today. I mean, I really, really do. Um, most of you, well, the boomers remember the old days, right? The good old days before we had technology because everything had to cross our desk and it was wonderful because we were in the loop. We knew what was going on. Um, and I, it is much, much harder for you today. And, and it is critical. And again, to me, it's that's where if you have a good relationship, you sit down. These are the kinds of things you talk about in partnership and talking about the benefits. And again, explaining to your executives, the more I'm in the loop, the more I understand about what's going on, the better I can serve you. You've got to see how, explain to them so they see how it helps them. You know, it's that what's in it for me. So as an executive, what's in it for me? Tell me by you getting more involved or engaged or whatever, how does it help me? And focusing a lot on that. Um, Julie, some quick words of advice. Yeah, you know, we get what we give, right? So also come make it a data-driven story, you know, real time. You know, Mr. Miss Executive, when you told me about blah, 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 I was able to, and therefore we could, you know, bring them along on that journey, communicate, but use those real-time examples. And then they're like, oh, yeah, okay, I can see how that works executives are who they are for a reason and they work very methodically and they they oftentimes won't flex so you've got to bring them along on that journey and communicate to them in words that they understand and in ways that they value yeah that's excellent and that that's the beauty that's something julie and i absolutely love about when we are given the opportunity to go on site and work side by side with an executive and an assistant. And we observe everything they do for a day or two days. And we're that middle person bridging them together and teaching them how to work better. And, um, but you know, we don't have that opportunity to go be the bridge for all of you. So you've got to figure that out, you know, and how to make that happen. And I love what Julie said, the statistics. And that's what I do too. A lot of times when I'm coaching, 
So perfect example of what we'll do, what I do with email when I'm doing coaching is I'll have assistants keep a record for three weeks of the number of emails that they manage if they are managing theirs and their executives. I want specifics. What are the statistics? And one assistant even broke it down for me into reports. Uh, how many community notices was she getting? How much was junk mail? And we went after, when I came into the coaching, we went to the president who was her partner and we were able to say, okay, here are the statistics. Uh, your assistant manages an average of 300 emails a day. And then she broke it down into every, the main categories. And he looked at that and he could not believe what we showed him in black and white. And he said to her, okay, within three months, we've got to cut emails by 20%. That's what Julie's talking about. So do your due diligence, have your facts if you want to go in and convince your executive about something. All right, another question, we'll okay, go five more minutes. Antoinette uh, is saying, if you know something about your boss that could affect him, should you tell him? Interesting. I saw that one come in. <laughs> um, you know, there's, yes. there's, there, there would be more questions, okay, obviously. Yeah. Something personal. Right. The professional, is it professional, but it became personal with something, you know. There's got to be more to the story, in other words, which I know we don't have time for that. But that, to me, you've got to, you know, understand what that is. But I would say if it is affecting him from a business perspective, whether he's personally doing it or professionally doing it, and I have a good partnership, I would have an open conversation. Because when you have a good partnership, you are comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. Um, and actually, I'm just thinking of an assistant I know several years ago who had to broach her executive or approach her executive who was very high level executive and just fell into a, a bad habit, you know, um, in terms of uh, alcohol, but it was affecting his ability to work and so forth and whatever. And she had to have a really tough conversation. And she did it. And they're still together years later. Julie, your take? You know, we cover this in a lot of our training around critical conversations and the decision analysis you go through and then you practice before you even have the conversation. So this is a, a great question. And this tells me that you're on the right path. Um, one of the things that we talk about is think first, why this, why now? Is it a value add? Will it impact? You know, is the timing right? You have to really think about this, you know, be thoughtful around this conversation. Um, but if, if you have gone through that process, and again, to Joan's point, if you have that kind of relationship with your executive, then yes, uh, you've really hit the sweet spot when your executive will ask you before you even have to have that difficult conversation. When they'll come to you and say, what's the vibe? What are you hearing? What did you think about my presentation? Or how did that meeting go? You know, that's when you know you've hit the sweet spot. That's that adminology. Okay. Uh, let's see. Another question. These are really good today. Yes. Okay. Uh, Carmen. My new boss likes to communicate by instant message more than speaking face to face. Any suggestions on how I on how to have more face to face conversations or should I just adapt to this new form of communication? Um, so my take because I coach both executives and assistants executives don't always know the best way, okay? Yeah, they're smart and they're sharp, but it doesn't mean they're always best at communicating either. So again, I have no issues and no problems telling executives that they need to have face-to-face -face communication. It's not always about texting and instant messaging, but I also point out the time that is wasted in the back and forth, how much faster you would get things done, you'll increase your productivity by 25%. If you have the verbal, you're done very quickly, you get your answers right away. So I let them see the what I call the domino effect. Again, going back to selling the benefits. And yeah, I know we talk about, we'll play to your executive. 
Yes, you do. But there's times you've got to be a little smarter too than your executive. Okay. And, and because they are so busy, they're so busy that they want the quick and the fast. It doesn't mean it's always the most effective. And that's where you've got to really take care of them. Julie. I'm going to sound like a broken record, you know, find out why and then show them the value, as you mentioned, the domino effect of all other forms of communication and why certain things need to come to you a certain way. But yeah, I get it. A lot of times they're doing it while they are up early in the morning. They don't want to bother you or it's a thought they've had or they're getting ready to board a plane and they don't have their, you know, there are very valid reasons for using I am but communicate, work through that together and figure out why and make sure that it's working for you too. Because if it's not effective communication, it can come at you anyway. But if it's not effective, it's not serving anybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, you're really using, you know, the combination today because I love to text too. And like Julie said, if we're, we're racing through an airport. They're about to close the plane doors. We think of something really quick, you know, so it's true. It, it's not choosing really one over the other, but it, it's making sure you incorporate uh, the human moments, what I call human moments. All right, so let's see, we're gonna wrap this up. Um, first of all, thank you all for attending and I'm gearing up for some great webinars this entire year. I'm working on the schedule now and the topics, we have some other great guests. I'm super excited. So stay tuned for those and you can get on a sign up with us so that you automatically get notices of when those webinars are coming. You'd automatically get invited. Um, World-class assistant, I told you about that. If you cannot make any of our live courses uh, this year in terms of cities or coming to our conference, I want everyone to know that I am doing live classes, just like I'm doing here, but it will be more classroom style. Um, so they're my live e-courses or e-classes. They're starting the end of February. There are eight classes total. They're spread out basically monthly. Um, again, it's a small group usually, and it's just like we're in class and you could ask me questions and I write on flip charts and show you things and so forth. You can earn um, CEUs for your classes and you could purchase the classes as an individual or as a group. We had com one company have 20 assistants and they got the group license, so they tried to get together for the classes and then talk about the information. Um, and let's see, what else do I have to talk about? Let's see, oh, Julie's also at our conference this year, too. If you're speaking at conference this year, the Empowered Assistant. I want to thank our sponsors, Bevy, again. We really, really appreciate their sponsorship. So uh, before I sign off, I just want to wish all of you a great Tuesday and a fabulous week. And hopefully you can attend our February webinar. It's going to be really good. I'm not going to tell you yet because I'm just putting the final touches on it. And I want to thank Julie Reed so much for your time today. And Julie, thank you as always. It's fabulous to do the webinars with you. Bye, everyone.